Hello, hello, Heather Jean here with another episode of Confidence Through Cabaret, all things confidence. I am so thankful and happy that you are here. You are going to be so happy that you're here as well because this episode is going to be epic. Uh, I just can't wait for this. I, 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 I don't even know where this conversation is going to go, but let me tell you what we have in store. We are talking about, you know, the what how trauma might be preventing you from feeling confident and meeting your goals now we talk a lot in confidence through cabaret about raising confidence in your personal life your work life and your stage life whatever your stage is and we talk about all the ways that you might build confidence but if you have experienced some form of trauma it may be preventing you from feeling confident, or it may be preventing you from meeting your goals. And my guest today is gonna to share with us a vast amount of experience with us about it. So my guest today is Dr. Marcia Martin. Hello, Marcia. Hello, hello, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, me too. I, I, I just, I have so many thoughts about this conversation about because i think sometimes we can end up with borderline toxic positivity about you know confidence and you know here's all the things you can do and here's all the ways you can look to make yourself feel better and here's the affirmations and the journaling but but actually sometimes the reality is we need deeper work right well and i think also you've got to allow yourself to say ouch if it hurts don't brush it away say oh hey that really hurt i'm really disappointed whatever emotion it is that's coming up first be sure to acknowledge it otherwise it just grows you want to acknowledge it you want to unpack it gosh what does this mean for me how does this affect me how does this change what i had been hoping was going to um come about and then as quickly as you can now that you've acknowledged hey things didn't go the way that i wanted to i'm gonna have to chart a new course as quickly as you can you begin charting that new course which then should say and i'm completely confident that i am able to do this I am excited and delighted about what's coming. I'm so grateful for this new opportunity. That's when you can bring in the positive side. But if it's always, I can't look, I can't look at this bad thing. Bad thing is always gonna be in the back of your mind, eating away at your confidence and telling you why you won't be successful this time. It will say things like, you couldn't do it last time. So what makes you think you can do it this time? What's wrong with you that you believe you something somehow uh, gained something when you failed last time? These are the voices that we want to put, we want to quiet and to eliminate by giving them a voice and really examining it. But it's very important that we understand that just because you have the conversation going on in your head doesn't mean it's true. There are many reasons why something didn't work out the way it was planned. And really what we need to do is say, 
I'm going to give myself the opportunity to interact with things as they come, but allow the pinnacle to be for whatever is for my highest good. So you may say, I want a million dollars when what is for your highest good would be a salary that allows you to stay where you are and nurture your family. Okay, so you didn't get your million dollars, but you got this legacy, you got this thing that is going to honor your heart and bring you more joy than that million dollars ever could. So it's a little bit about being flexible and flowing with what is, but it's also about honoring yourself, all of yourself. That, I have goosebumps. I, I'm very rarely speechless, Marsha. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's something else that I wanna make sure that everybody understands, and that's the definition of trauma. And I'm gonna give you a different definition of trauma. Trauma is not something uh unexpected that happens out of the blue that is absolutely horrible trauma can be the slow drip 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 of criticism trauma can be an unexpressed goal or desire trauma can be something small and insignificant to the world that means everything to you so anything that causes you to feel less than can be considered a traumatic experience and it should be addressed, cleared and healed. Nothing is too small or too insignificant and nothing is too large. Everything should be examined and released and then new, higher, lighter, unconditionally loving and supporting energy should be put in its place. You gotta feel, fill the void. So we can't just take the trash out and then sit there with an empty space because we know that that trash is gonna slowly find its way back in. If I've been practicing collecting trash for 20 years and I finally say, oh, I hate this trash, it stinks, I'm gonna take it out. And we take it out and then we say, okay, all better and we leave this big empty space, well, what are you used to? You're used to interacting with the trash. So little by little, you're gonna go back and you'll get old trash, you'll get new trash, you'll get the neighbor's trash, you'll get everybody's trash until you feel comfortable again. Okay, oh, now that feels better. So you wanna release the trauma you want to fill that space with energy that aligns with your highest good, supports you, honors you, and uplifts you. And then you would be able to establish a new habit. But if you just have a blank space, we're creatures of habit. We're going to go back to whatever it was, even if it hurt. And that's why we see so many people getting out of abusive relationships only to get back into a new abusive relationship a short time later. It's not because they love abuse. It's because they didn't do the clearing and healing work while they were out of the relationship. 
you've um you've just you've just filled in a a, a blank for me that I've had for quite a, a while now. Um, I spoke with someone who did a lot of uh, healing work in the body, and uh, she asked us. This was a podcast episode. She she was amazing, but she asked us to think about a time when we felt completely free in our body and didn't didn't feel like you know we had anxiety or trauma or all kind you know whatever it was in our body. And I couldn't think of that time. I couldn't go back far enough in my memory. Oh wow! Right. <laughs> so there's that. But there's also um, the piece about what we ended up having to do a second part because I was I was so adamant that I I couldn't move on from this. If I clear and, that, but I'm going to stop you there because I and and then I'll hear the second part of what you're saying because what you said is so impactful that I think we need to address that. It is possible for you to carry unresolved situations from previous lives into this life. And so if you are in a situation where you feel like, I've just always felt this way, it is not because you're broken. It's not because you're not good enough. It's not because there is something so wrong with you that nothing can fix it. It is simply, this is something you chose to work on in this life and you chose to make it present so you would be able to address it. So it doesn't matter when the origin point is, when you work energetically, you have access to all of the origin points across time, across all of your lifetimes. So all you need to do is ask to go to the origin point and then you can clear it. Interesting. I hadn't actually thought of it in that, in that way. Um, that makes a lot of sense. It makes a huge amount of sense because energy is eternal, right? Yes. And there's no time. So, you know, we're just, it's one big C. Now, what I usually do just to give people context is say, okay, pick the first time that you remember so that you have a starting point. And we're going to bring that aspect of yourself here so that it receives the healing. And so it's going to spend time in the womb, the mother, father, God, lap, that place of absolute acceptance, while we do the actual work of clearing. Because I just find it's easier when we have a point than when we're just trying to navigate the sea. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And my, my observation at that time was about if I clear this, and this is back to your point about, you know, being able to, to, to not refill the, all of the trash that you just took out with other trash um, is that I could not, and I still kind of can't, uh, I couldn't understand if I cleared that, I would fall down. <gasps> oh, is that not brilliant? Oh, yes, yes. yes. And that's the fear. Yes. No, I am nothing but this trauma. Yes. So if I release this, there will be nothing left of me. Yes. So because that, that tension is, and stress is holding me up. Yes. But that's the illusion. And so you've got to say, okay, 
And one of the things that's beautiful about doing heart healing is I do it with the assistance of the angelic community. And for me, that means the angels, the archangels, the ascended masters, all of the saints, all of the helpers that have been created to help us navigate our life journeys. So when you are doing the act of clearing, you are being supported by them. So you have more freedom. You can let go of it. You don't have to support yourself because an energetic being or beings is supporting you. So you can have a chance of, oh, I'm weightless and free. You have that experience for that few moments while we are shifting your energy from pain-filled to empty and then filled again, but this time with love and acceptance. So you need a support system. And it doesn't really matter whether your support system is human or divine, because we're all the same. But there has to be a support system if you are going to do this work effectively. Otherwise, you're absolutely right. What is holding you together? Well, only this stress, only this trauma, only the memory of this incident happening over and over and over again. So we are a social people and it doesn't matter whether the people that we are depending on or leaning on socially are visible or, <laughs> notice I said visible like, because <laughs> I can see them. <laughs> or invisible, I was going to say, meaning the people with us. So invisible or visible, um, they're all the same, but they should provide a support system. And that is so important. So if you are in an abusive relationship, one of the hallmarks of that is isolation. And that's why you are so easily manipulated by the abuser. And so your first starting point may be to begin stepping into a community that is supportive, whether it's online, in your prayer or meditation space, or even better, in physical space, because then you would have a physical person that could give you a hug, hold your hand, tell you you're doing well. It's a little more difficult when you go completely energetic because the voices are in your head. And sometimes you just need a hug from a person that is standing there with you. Yeah. However, the abuser may be very angry about you widening your social circle because that means they lose control. So you gotta go carefully with that. Go as far as you can uh, with new social relationships, add in online social relationships and prayer and meditation helpers, but recognize that while you are remaining in the abusive relationship, there may be some limitations that you need to observe for your own safety. Absolutely. Now, I encourage people to get out as quickly as possible, but the word as possible should not be ignored. It may not be possible to leave. You may not economically, there, there may, you may be under complete economic control and leaving means you and your children have no food or shelter. 
So you may choose to stay in that relationship. Get a support system that will help you navigate. You may be so emotionally battered that you don't believe that you are worthy of leaving the relationship. You need to start again. Get that support system that can help begin to build you up. I can remember when my children were, were young and just starting to have their own kind of social life, you know, where they go off and play at other people's houses. And I can remember thinking, I don't know how to make friends as an adult. So I had my own business. Yes. I, I, so, so my friends at work were clients. So you have to be a bit careful with that because it's a professional relationship. Um, I didn't spend enough time in the schoolyard to really know the other mothers. And that never really particularly interested me conversationally anyway. Um, and I can remember thinking, I don't know how to start, how to, you know, when you, when you're a child and you change schools, it's, it, it takes five minutes, you know, yep. and isn't it interesting when we're adults? So when we talk about building that support network, I love that you're including that space for meditation, that space for online carefully, because online can be some trappings as well. Um, but I think, you know, but actually, I, ideally, having those physical friendships or relationships, support networks, it, it can be it can be quite daunting. I, I spent many hours feeling like I don't know what to do to make friends. And it's hard to put yourself out there when you feel like that, because you can you can easily tell yourself in an abusive relationship anyway, you can easily tell yourself that you're not worthy of those friendships. That's why. Oh. you can't. Oh, oh, yes. And the abuser will be happy to support you in that belief system. So expect that there is going to be a lot of pushing against your desire to get out and to become more. I find that any kind of job out of your home is good because it's a natural segue to friendships. You don't have to go to a meetup group or a book club or a, you know, a hobby or that kind of thing. So, you know, any kind of job, and it doesn't have to be fabulous, will at least get you into a social setting. And if that's not available, then you do have to try groups around hobbies or passions or interests that you have. So at least you can have people that you identify with. Mm -hmm. So it's not a good idea if you don't enjoy coffee, let's say, and gossip, it's really not a good idea to go to a coffee shop where the local ladies are meeting at 10 and think that you're going to get quality friendships out of that if the local ladies meet to gossip. If the local ladies meet to plan town activities and you love to plan activities, then you would really enjoy that. So it is kind of follow your passion, follow your interests. This is the time when if you are not aligned with your abuser in terms of interests, this is the time when you can really say, what do I like? We've done what he or she likes all this time, but what do I really like? And am I brave enough to go explore something that appeals to me? And if you're not, 
This is not a chance to say, oh, I knew you, you are so stupid. How do you think you're going to meet anyone? This is the chance to say, I'm so proud of myself for taking a moment to say, I think I'd like to meet friends and to begin exploring what would feel good to me. Maybe I'm not ready today. What can I do today that will bring me joy, that will get me closer to my goal, that will make me take one step closer to actually getting into that group? We don't condemn. We always celebrate anything that we can do. And if you are coming from a traumatic situation, you must immediately adopt the celebration mindset. You have had all the condemnation, all of the criticism, all of the punches to the gut that you need. What you've never had is celebration and um, support. And, you know, Robert Stone wrote in his book, Life Without Limits, that there was a psychological study. I think it was done in the 80s. And it was a study done with school-age children, younger, younger school-age children. And they found that for every one critical statement, it took 10 positive statements to undo the damage. If you have been traumatized or abused, you have yet to hear that one positive statement, but you will have heard unending critical statements. So you have to begin and become your own best advocate by continuously loving yourself through this process and finding what's right. And when I first began this, I was a hardcore what's wrong. I was all about what's wrong. I need to look at what's wrong. I'll never fix anything if I don't look at what's wrong. I need to be obsessed with what I am doing wrong so that I can be better because I'm never good enough. And one of the first assignments that the angelic realm gave me was to let go of that. It's going to make me cry because it was so life-changing. But I fought so hard. Uh, I, I said, no, no, you don't know what you're talking about. You, I can't trust you. This is terrible. You're asking me to give up what's wrong. How am I ever going to fix things? Look how bad things are now and how little I've been able to achieve. And that's with every day struggling to find what's wrong. Now you're telling me to let all of that go and only focus on what's right. The what's wrong is going to consume me. You're going to see in just a couple of days, I'm going to be nothing, a speck on the wall, because what's wrong is going to take over my life. I said, yeah, no, we're not backing down. You got to do this. You've got to look at what's right. I said, okay. See, I was right. You guys don't know what you're talking about. You really don't love me. You hate me. You have don't have my highest good in mind. I just knew it. <sighs> Off in a huff. Okay, I got to look at what's right. And they were nagging and nagging and nagging. I'm like, okay, what's right? What's right? Nothing's right. I hate everything. Nothing's right. Look at me. I hate me. Everything's wrong. So then that butterfly would come by. 
Oh, look at that beautiful butterfly. Okay. Oh, that's nice. Thank you for the butterfly. Isn't that lovely? And then something else nice would happen. I would think, oh, that's lovely. Thank you for that. And little by little, I began shifting my focus to all that I had, all that was right, all that I could feel good about. And in just a couple of days, I was starting to say, wow, life is really amazing. <laughs> I just really feel good. Oh, look at all these wonderful things. This is so amazing. Look at all these wonderful opportunities that just seem to be appearing. And gosh, I had kind of forgotten about all those things that I was doing wrong. And I went back so full of, <laughs> so I, not really regret, but just, oh gosh, uh, you know, I owe you guys a big apology. I am so grateful to you, but oh boy, did I have it wrong. And you know, when you deal with the angelic realm, they are so lighthearted and so loving and so compassionate. And they were just laughing. They just, he, 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 he. We, we knew you, you would have come back with egg on your face, but aren't you glad? We made you change your whole perspective. And that is one of the first things that I share with people is, okay, here's your first assignment. <laughs> Everything that has held you together until now, which is primarily your focus on how to improve, we're just going to put that over to the side. And I want you to really focus on everything that's great everything about you that's great, everything about your life that's great, everything about the world that's great. And most people say, um, that's a pretty short list. And that yet after we work together for a while, their list has become a book. It started as a couple of lines and it suddenly has consumed their entire being. And that just changes everything. It changes you from being an attractor of more to feel bad about to being a welcomer of everything to feel great about. And the beautiful thing about energy is as you grow, as you become lighter, as you become more expanded, it can't just stay within your little physical container. It's energy and it's effervescent and it's always flowing. So sir, first you fill up and you start living this life that feels good. And then you keep attracting more feel good. And so it has to keep going somewhere. So you get it and then your family gets it. Then the neighborhood gets it. Then your city gets it. Then your state and your country and then the whole world gets it. And, you know, I never understood how tangible it was until I was at the grocery store and a friend of mine had said, you know, I really could use a personal assistant. And I am hearing this conversation, not paying any real attention, but the girl is saying, who is the checker? 
I would love to be a personal assistant. I'm thinking, oh, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> so she finishes with that person. And I say, did I hear that you say you'd, you would like a job as a personal assistant? Yes. I said, oh, fabulous. Give me your name. I, I have a friend who may be interested. I'll share your information with her and let's see where it goes. And she looked at me and she said, wow, thank you. And then she said, you know, what do you do? Because I see you in here all the time and you're always so peaceful and happy and joyful. And it's just so refreshing when you come in the store. It was like, oh my gosh. Angels, thank you. Tangible proof that the energetic vibration that we hold impacts not just ourselves, but everyone that we come in contact with. Now, I'm in that store, what, half an hour, an hour, once a week? And yet, even though we've never met, I have had an impact. And then another girl comes over and says, yes, I've noticed the same thing. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I had no idea how impactful each one of us is. And when we agree to share love, to share joy, to share peace, it is instantly shared with everyone who is willing to receive. So I so encourage everyone and understand you as the generator of the emotion, whether it's bad that, uh, you know, doom and gloom or love, joy and peace, you as the originator are the first line of receiving. So while I was in my doom and gloom phase, I received a lot of doom and gloom interactions. Now that my life is filled with love, joy and peace, I am constantly receiving wonderfully uplifting interactions. And I was talking with one of the groups that I counsel and I said, you know, and one of the people happens is no longer living here in California with me, but used to. And I said, you know, those um, California loves its tickets. I mean, we are in love with parking tickets. We have a law about every five minutes of about parking. And it's a joke is that you can't live here without a, getting a parking ticket at least once. They have signs that are impossible to decipher. It's just a business. And one time we did look up how much the city of West Hollywood, where I live, makes $5 million a year on parking violations. Wow. But, but I said, you know, I used to think the parking people were just out to get us, but I had the loveliest interaction with a parking person. And the other, one of the group members said, yeah, only you. I've never had a nice interaction. I said, no, it was the loveliest thing. This guy says, I happen to be parked in a safe zone on street cleaning day, but I needed to move the car anyway, even though that's, you never move your car during street cleaning because you if, unless you're going to be gone for the entirety of the time because it's impossible to park. Yeah. So, but I had an appointment, so I was leaving. And there's, I see the uh, parking person standing by this guy's car, but not issuing a ticket. I'm thinking, well, that's weird because usually, whoa, they are so excited to 
get that ticket out and get to the next violator. So he sees me coming and he said, oh, are you leaving? I said, yes. He said, well, I'm just standing here waiting for this gentleman who uh, forgot his keys to come back so he can move his car. And I'm wondering if he can have your space. <laughs> I said, of course he can. And would you like me to stay in the space until he comes back so that nobody takes it in the meantime, because it's uh, high value to these <laughs> safe spaces during street cleaning. And he said, oh, that would be just so lovely. You know, we're not about the tickets. We're really just about compliance. And I thought, only you, but how nice that I would get the one person <laughs> that is interested in making everyone's life easier. Yeah. And because you're putting that positive energy out there. Yes, it's flowing through me. My life is great. My interactions are wonderful, but I can't contain it. I have all that I need, but yet I still have access to an unlimited amount. So it has to go somewhere. Where is it going to go? Out into my community. Mm -hmm. And that just means that my interactions are always or the majority of the time going to be positive. Now, I want to come back to what you talked about in, in relation to, to trauma and uh, the need to address it, to clear it, and to heal. Because I have lived most of my adult life with a real energy like yours, very positive, absolutely gushing out. Um, while at the same time not clearing that stuff. So I would shove everything down, very deep well, um, and never addressing it. So I went from one abusive uh, marriage to another and in a fairly short space of time. Well, uh, took a while to get out of that. It took, me, it took me seven years to get out of my abusive marriage. And that's um, pretty quick. And yeah, so we were married for four years and then it took me seven years to get a divorce. And so when I say it's quick, uh, it quickly into another relationship, it was pretty much straight into another relationship when it was possible. Um, but I didn't address anything and I didn't clear anything and I didn't heal. I just shoved that sucker down really tight. And then into another abusive relationship, raising children, a lot of, a lot of things happening, but a lot of really wonderful things happening as well. You know, I had a, a very successful business. I was traveling. I was, I met some amazing people, but shoving all the other stuff down. And I know now why I did it, because if I was to tell somebody else, let's say I was to tell you what I needed to, to clear and address, it has to come through me, right? Which means I have to acknowledge it in order to share it with you. And I didn't want to acknowledge it. So I did not acknowledge it. And so I had all of that positive energy and I was, you know, I, I, I was exploding with positive energy all the while there was this, this rot at the bottom of the well, you know, it's like, it's like a compost pile. All the rot at the bottom is not the same as the fresh grass you just put on it. And, and so, and so I, I, I for me, uh, the whole thing exploded when my late husband died in 2019 which then went on to 2020 and COVID and we all know what happened there. And so as an extrovert, that is purgatory to be locked in a house without other people um, because that's where I draw my energy. But that is when I was forced. And I do believe that we will all be forced 
that was when I was forced to address it. And yes, because it is as though, well, if we look at, and I use Jesus not as a religious figure, but as an historical figure with ha who has a lot of documentation yeah. and brilliant wisdom. Mm -hmm. So Jesus, Jesus said, you need to build your house on rock, on a strong foundation, because yeah. if you build it on shifting sands, eventually it's going to all crumble down. And that's what happened for you is that you have that incredible strength and you just said, well, it's okay. I don't have to pay attention to this cancer that's here eating away at my soul because I can choose to be my optimal self of strength and positive energy and beautiful extroversion and just ignore all of that. But there will always come a day of reckoning. There and, will always- And Marsha had literally, I literally had cancer. Yeah, I'm not surprised. We have to understand that there is no divorcing ourselves from the energetic. So yes, we live in physical bodies and yes, we need to care for the physical bodies with other physical products. But we must remember that everything that we are consuming or interacting with is made up of energy. And you as the creator of whatever emotion it is, are going to be exposed to that emotion. So let's think of emotions as radiation if they are negative. All negative emotions emit this radioactive energy that is poisoning you from the inside out. It is interesting when people tell me, well, you know, I'm jealous or I'm vengeful or uh, I deserve to feel this way. That may be true, but you are generating this toxic poison hoping that at some point in the future, it will affect the other person. Meanwhile, it has already affected and destroyed you. So the choice is, do I wanna keep engaging with toxic poison, hoping that at some point it's going to negatively affect the other person? Or do I just wanna look at it, lovingly release it, own it, receive the lesson. And here's the thing that I learned is that nothing comes arbitrarily. It always has a message for you. It always has something to share. It always has a benefit. So we start looking at, oh, if I have to unpack my trauma, I'm going to have to relive all of that. But that is not what we're doing in heart healing. We are examining it for clues. What does it want to tell you? Why was it created? There's, it's always created for protection. But the protection may be created out of confusion. So you may be protecting the energy of anger because you feel like that is necessary. And so once you understand, oh, okay, this thing isn't against me. It was created for my protection, but I misunderstood what I needed to be protected from. 
So I ended up protecting the anger that is really hurting me. And now that I see that I don't need it and it has no benefit, I can lovingly release it and identify with those things that do. So when you allow yourself to interact with and generate emotions of love, you are interacting with healing energy. So you're replacing the poison with this constant stream of renewal and restoration. And you just start feeling better and better and better mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. All of you feels better. All of you becomes more powerful. And you're not going to be subject to those diseases or the same aging uh, possibilities that others may be addressing that are still holding on to those lower emotional states. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And I think um, a lot of times we, particularly when we're in a difficult situation, we can't see that as a bigger picture. I can see that now in hindsight. Yes, but we have to understand the heart's job. And I'm talking about the energetic heart, not the physical heart, but even the physical heart, the job is to protect, to keep the body going, to supply the entire system with what is needed in order for perfect functioning. The energetic heart's job is to protect you from things that feel bad, but it can get confused. So it says when you experience something that doesn't feel good, oh, I'm going to remember that. Let me remember that. We don't want to, we don't want to experience that again. So I'm going to create a little memory and I'll put it over here. I'm going to store it here in the subconscious so that every time that you come up against that, you're going to know we don't like that. So run away, freeze, get angry, do something that's going to protect you. Well, that sounds good, except when you are storing things that you don't have control over because perhaps you're trying to control another person or you don't have enough knowledge because your information base is um, incorrect. And so you or you have limitations based on cultural or family expectations. So you started assigning all of these things to you that are not accurate and uh, are not helping you grow and expand. And you create a big fear base of limitation and you begin operating from the fear instead of the truth. And so what we're doing is just replacing the fear with truth. And there is only one truth for all people, no matter where you are, who you are, what you have chosen to be, or any other kind of distinguishing characteristic. And that truth is that we are always safe and loved. It doesn't mean the physical body will go on forever. It is not. We are not immortal in this form. Our energetic spiritual being will go on forever and you will always be loved. And that was hard for me to accept too. 
I grew up in the era of Hitler being the most ab abominable being on the planet. You know, now we've added quite a few more, but for me to believe that God loved Hitler and all of those other people as much as God may love Mother Teresa was just, that can't be, but it is. Hitler has chosen and Osama bin Laden and all of the terrorists and the people that are so confused and do violent acts, they have chosen to limit their connection to the divine. But because the divine can, cannot and will not change, and they have already decided what they are going to be, they are only unconditional love and acceptance. We cannot change them and they will not change. So that means no matter how low you chose to be, you are still loved and accepted the same way as a saint or a revered being would be. So that's hard to accept if you've been, if you've been uh, abused. Yes, if you've been violated, you don't wanna know that your abuser is loved equally. However, the only way back for any abuser is through love. No punishment is going to bring them to a higher place. And the only way back for the abused is through love. No amount of criticism or further abuse is going to help you feel good about you. So there's only one path and there's only one truth. And that truth is we are all safe and loved. That's hard to accept. Oh, and yet I love that at the same time. It, it's a mind blower. It's a conundrum. How can this be? How can you love these evil beings? Well, they don't see that part. They don't see the deranged, despicable part. They see the eternal essence and they see it as pure and true and good. They see that you may be off on an exploration that isn't going well, but they don't see you as evil. They see you as part of them. I call them them because I can't ascribe to a one gender God. So I see them as mother, father, God. So they're them to me, <laughs> but you know, they look at us and they see our purity. They see our perfection. They see our beauty. They don't see that we have really gotten it wrong there for a little while, <laughs> decided that killing everyone that doesn't look like us is a good idea. They don't see that. They see only, oh, you're off on a, an exploration. Oh, your journey has gotten a little more interesting lately. And you're going to need some healing time when you get back into the energetic state. And you probably will be uncomfortable with what you've discovered. But that's okay because you can try uh, again and again and again. We have unlimited chances to get it right. Yeah. Not in each lifetime. This physical body only has so much wear and tear that it can handle but I have unlimited chances to come again and to grow and grow and grow 
until I get to the place where I can be a loving individual. So what is working with you look like for anybody who's thinking this is making sense i'd like to know more how can i work with dr marsha martin how, what is that about how, what does that look like it's going deep into the energetic heart space and reclaiming your relationship with the divine it means clearing out all the pain the abuse the trauma the limiting beliefs the negativity the ways in which you view yourself as not good enough we get rid of all of that and just get right to your essence. And your essence is that you are a beautiful, perfect being that is on a journey of exploration and you are free to explore and expand in whatever way feels good to your heart. It's not about what your significant other, your parents, your culture, your whatever, it's not about what feels good to them. It's about what feels good to you. And we must remember that we've all brought a challenge, a significant, we will all have a significant challenge that will be with us until we finally address it. And we have also brought a purpose. So there is something that only you can do that nobody else can do in the way that you do it. And yet there's also that challenge that's gonna really poke at you until you finally address it. But we are unique in our beauty and our purpose. And we all have everything we need to address and overcome the challenge. So that means there is no intellectual requirement there is no gender requirement. There's no race requirement. There's no sexual orientation. There's no age. There is no limitation. You can overcome your challenge in the first week of life if you bring in that enough awareness. Or you can dog you into the grave and you can address it in subsequent lifetimes. We have to understand that none of us began our life journeys fully formed. We are on a journey to completion. So to me, mother, father, God are complete. They are already everything they choose to be. And the rest of us are looking to be in that complete state, to join them in that state of completion. So they see us as perfect because they know that we are perfect and we have everything that we need for whatever moment we're occupying, even in the moments that don't feel good. We still have everything we need. We get dissatisfied because we want to expand and to explore and to grow. And that's great. They think that our dissatisfaction is also perfect because it encourages us to go to the next moment and be more than we were in the previous moment. Now that also means that you're not perfect for yesterday and you're not perfect for tomorrow. You can only be perfect for this moment because this is the only place in which you can make a difference. So they ask us to occupy this moment and embrace the perfection 
even as we are preparing to expand into the next moment, which will bring with it greater awareness, or in some cases, greater frustration. Because if you're not addressing what you are supposed to be addressing, the frustration is going to mount until you do. But we all have a point of implosion at some point, or we go on and on and on and we ignore, 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 and then uh, usually get some sort of stress-induced illness if we are refusing to ignore it, I mean, refusing to address it, and we may die before, this container may die before we address it, it's just carried on to the next lifetime. If you feel un that you're incomplete, then you would just bring it into the next journey and have an opportunity to address it then. And even then, you may not address it. But what you are gaining is more tools. You're expanding. You're getting to the point where you'll finally be able to address this issue and do it confidently and do it competent, competently. So you'll have acquired all of the knowledge and all of the skills that you need in order to really get to it. But you're not being punished all of the times that you're carrying it forward, you're just gaining more information. It's like, do we punish kindergarten children for not being able to do calculus? No. So yeah. God's not going to punish you when you're in an early learning experience for not knowing what a sage may know. Yeah. However, and this is something that I'm experiencing now. The, the more that you expand, the more that is expected. So you don't get to be play kindergarten. Oh, I know. It was kind of like a darn it. But Jesus told us, you know, every study the life of Jesus and you will see an absolute perfect roadmap. Nothing has been hidden. Everything was put out there just as it is. You can't, don't get into the whole Christian part of it. Leave yeah. that alone. Just yeah. study the life of Jesus and the words of the Christ. Yeah. There's and he said, to yeah. much that has been given, to those who much, to those, I forget how he said it, but uh, when much has been given, much is expected. And I was like, oh, that's not fair. You know, that's not fair. Well, it's uh, the same in school though, right? You, you're not expected by the time you're 18 to be doing the same stuff that the kindergartners are doing, right? Exactly. And for them not to expect me to apply all of the knowledge that they've given me is absolutely absurd. So ah, yes. When, <laughs> but when, when I am doing something that I know better, they no longer say, oh, honey, that's okay. Now they say, really? Are you crazy? <laughs> What's up with you? You know better. And immediately I get the consequence of whatever that behavior is, as I do know better. It is not serving my highest good. It would actually help me go backward if I were to continue engaging in that behavior. So I need to, and I have in place what I call angel alarms. And when I am going off that path down that dark alley that I don't want to go, they immediately say, hey, 
Are you sure you want to go there, say that, do that, participate with that? Do you realize how that's, what that's going to bring to you? And I am so appreciative of that warning because I can get on that escalator to nowhere just like everyone else. I'm just now more able to get off it quickly. And yeah. that is one of the tools they gave me is, you know, how to stop the intrusive thoughts, how to get away from the hamster wheel of more negativity. So they are just a wonderful support system. They are fabulous, fabulous helpers, and they provide practical solutions. They are not, it's not airy fairy, crazy stuff. It is practical solutions that occur. You do your work in the energetic space, but its results are in the physical space. Right. And I like what you're saying about, you know, if, if we didn't have those alarms, then we would go backwards. Oh, yeah. Because we, yeah, that's, that's important. Because I, I, my immediate reaction was, oh, no, I don't want to do more. This is already hard enough. But actually, we would, if, if we, if we weren't continuing to move forward, you know, it's, it's like people who go into a business and they feel like they don't want to deal with change. And I always say to them, even if you want to stay exactly where you are, you've got to be moving forward because the business is. So you're moving backwards. If yes. You're moving, if you're not, you know, moving forward. And working with the angelic realm means I have access to so much support. Mm -hmm. It is easy. I do not live a life that is difficult. Yeah. I live a life of ease and joy. Why? Because I ask for help every minute of the day, even with my technology things. We were joking about not being tech savvy. You know, if the thing doesn't turn on, I don't pull my hair out. I say, oh, angels, help. Can you help me with this? I need, what am I doing here that's causing this thing to go crazy? What do I need to do to fix it? And they tell me it's not a life void of physical interaction it is just support from the angelic realm that allows my physical life to be so easy can any of us access that angelic realm? everybody there are no exceptions absolutely How everyone would somebody uh, uh connect with it and i know there are multiple ways to connect with it yes and that's the thing we need to remember there is no person that has come without a direct line of access to the divine. We couldn't exist in this form without constant divine support. So that exists. You as a free will being can choose how aware you are of the exist. So you can have big awareness or you can make it very small. Someone like Hitler, uh, Osama bin Laden and other terrorist people have chosen to make that a very small channel. However, it still exists. But you can connect with them visually, that you would be clair, clairvoyant. Uh, auditorily, then you would be clairaudient, which would be hearing them. Or clairsentient, which is uh, just that knowing, that sort of uh, clair... What do they call it? 
they call it clairsentient and something else where it's just kind of unknowing, but there is absolutely no one that doesn't have some clear communication. And so when you begin exploring this, you want to use your most dominant sense. So if you just always have that knowingness, you would open up more to being aware of what's going on and just opening to that knowingness. If you kind of are constantly having conversations with a disembodied voice in your head, then you are clairaudient and you want to really encourage those conversations. If you constantly see visions or sparkles of light or different ways, or you're just really uh, vision oriented, you're probably clairvoyant and you want to use that as your predominant way to communicate with the energetic realm. Now, only one thing I want to say about that, though, is if you are having angelic conversations, they will be always uplifting and inspirational and supportive. If you are having more of a schizophrenic conversation, it could be critical, con condemning, and encourage you to hurt yourself or another person. There is no angelic conversation that will ever tell you to hurt yourself or another person. And they will never criticize or condemn. They can joke with you. Like now I've been with them forever. And so they joke with me and they will say, really? You know, that kind of thing. But it is loving. It is you know better, girl, what's wrong with you? Why are you doing this? It is loving. And if I really am having a bad day, they wouldn't even say, really? They would come with a hug and say, you're okay. You're doing great. We believe in you. It's good. Keep going. You know, they. there's no cruelty. No cruelty ever, ever, ever. If you are experiencing any type of cruelty, you must disconnect, take a breath, clear away that energetic interaction and start again. And you may need to do some physical exercise to eat something really clear for a long period of time if you are not successful at clearing the negativity. Don't just keep putting up with negativity. That is not you having connection, having a connection or a conversation with a divine being. Yeah. And that may mean that you need some, some professional help to navigate those. Places. Absolutely. Don't be afraid to hire a guide. Yeah. There isn't anybody that can do it for you, yeah. but there are people that can guide you. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's what heart healing is. I am not doing the work for you. I am guiding you through the process and it is you doing the work that is bringing you the results. So that's another really good guide. Any person who says, let me do it for you is not a really, isn't going to promote growth. They might help alleviate the symptom, but they cannot deal with the actual core. Yeah. If, if you're going to deal with the cause and the core, you have to be involved. Yeah. Yeah. And otherwise they're just selling a program. 
Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. If that's, that's a great beginning. I was sold a lot of programs and I used them all to create a personal relationship. But now I teach personal relationship because I know that's where the growth, the change and the, the meat really is. I know that the transformation is in the personal relationship and nowhere else. And that's what I want you to have is I want you to be empowered to transform your life and then step into freedom. Otherwise you didn't, it's, you're not, I didn't do a very good job. Is yeah. <laughs> I didn't guide you very well. If you're still stuck in the darkness, then I've been a terrible guide and I'm going to own that. Yeah. I want to guide you through something now. Okay. So we talk a lot at Confidence Through Cabaret about, you know, stepping into your spotlight and owning your space unapologetically. And if you were going on a real stage, you would not hide from the spotlight unless that was part of your act or your narrative. And in Cabaret, we have usually got a narrative. Um, it's, you know, a lot of times people think, oh, it's, you know, some sort of striptease if you're doing burlesque. It might be, but it is always in the context of some sort of message. And I know you and I were talking about Gypsy Rose Lee earlier and so on, which was more what, what would have been called, what is now called classic burlesque, which is the striptease and that's the narrative. But now we, we very often get involved in things like neo-burlesque, which is about telling a story. And sometimes that's not about taking off any layers or clothes or, you know, it depends what your story is and what your, what your message is that you're trying to express. And so when we're in cabarets, we're in a small venue, we're in amongst the audience, we can see them, they can see us. Sometimes we're on a stage, but it's not often a very big stage. And very often we're moving around the audience. So we're very intimately connecting with them. And it could be connecting through performance of song or dance, uh, burlesque, drag queen, drag king, aerial, contortion, comedy, you name it, whatever it is that you want. It could be poetry reading, even if you wanted to. It's really about connecting with your audience and sharing your message unapologetically. And that is what we talk a lot about in Confidence Through Cabaret, but is also what would realistically be happening if you were on a cabaret stage. So, Dr. Marsha Martin, if you were performing in cabaret, what would you be performing? You know, it is so, I spent so much of my life hiding. Right. I used to call myself a chameleon. Because I'm empathic, I can read a room. I know exactly what everyone is feeling. And because I had no guide, I thought I was the cause of all of those feelings, whether they were good or bad it was me that entering the room that caused them to be. So I spent all of my life wanting to be whatever the person that was already in the room wanted me to be. So I think if I did burlesque, it would just be being completely me, being okay with who I am and what I am and being able to say, yeah, I failed a lot. I've made a lot of mistakes. I have fallen on my face and been dragged through the mud more times than I care to remember. And no, I'm not going to share with you some of the more painful things that I've had to endure. 
But I'm just going to be honest and say, yeah, I've been there and I've done that. And so I'm going to show you me with no um, filters and I'm going to look at you and see you as your beautiful, authentic self. And I'm going to ask that you see me as my beautiful, authentic self with no criticism as I've already been there and done that and paid that price and lived that life unsuccessfully. And now I want to live a life that feels good and I want to encourage you to live a life that feels good as well. Heart healing is all about doing what feels good to your heart. It has nothing to do with meeting a societal standard. Yeah, and, and if you're going to perform something like burlesque, you have to be okay with people not being okay with you. Like, that's that's their your choice. choice. Yeah, that's yeah. your choice. Yeah, yeah. What it, one prop would you want to take with you on stage? Ooh, feathers. <gasps> like a fan or like just a whole bunch of single feathers? Or I think a whole bunch of feathers because one of the ways – that the angels will communicate with me when I'm out walking is I'm clear audience. So I get to hear them, but they also uh, leave a lot of feathers and feathers have become a very, very dear to me just because sometimes when you are so used to hearing them all the time, it can be come background noise. It doesn't feel special anymore. And there are times when you need the divine to communicate with you through the physical because we are in physical bodies. So there is one time, oh gosh, I got myself in a terrible funk. I started listening to the news, which is very bad. And I got overwhelmed. I just got taken down by, I don't know if it was school shootings or what it was, but it just, I just went down. And this went on for a couple of days. And I was out walking one morning and it felt like walking with lead shoes through a sea. And I said, uh-oh, I'm really in trouble. First of all, I can't counsel from this place because I have nothing to give. And um, I can't live in this place. I'm really in trouble. And I remember just saying, doing the only thing that I could do at that point and looking up and saying, God, I need help. I am really hurting. I really need help. This is too heavy. I can't do it. And I know it exists. And I know that you've given me tools so that I can help without hurting myself. But I stepped in it and I really need help. So I remember turning the corner, starting to walk up. The day is overcast, perfectly matching my mood. I mean, we can't have more gloom going on than I've got in my little space of the world. And what I noticed was, it was completely silent. No birds, no dogs, no, just silence. And I couldn't smell anything. Usually when I go out, I'm overwhelmed by the fragrance, the bird song, the wind. It's just a joyous interaction with the natural world. And there was no wind, there was no sun, there were no birds, there was no fragrance. So I'm turning the corner. 
I'm just saying, okay, God, I really, really need you. Show me that you're here. And I walk on, I'm moving up a hill, and suddenly the clouds part. The birds start singing. There's this beautiful fragrance and breeze, and I just start to cry. I just fall apart. Just say, well, thank you, thank you, thank you for loving me so much that you would change the natural order of things for me to know that I am loved. And I look down and of course there's a feather. So I would bring feathers because they are my reminder and the bird song and um, interactions with birds and all of the na things naturally occurring are just my reminder of how beautifully orchestrated this world is and how much we are loved. And I will often say to people that are having difficulty feeling significant to go out and find the most worthless organism they can find, the smallest bug, whatever it is, and really examine that bug. Examine how perfect that little creature is they have everything they need in terms of camouflage. They have everything they need to attract a mate. They have everything they need in order to eat. And yet they may have only one brain cell. How can you, with a fully functioning mind, with this beautiful free will, with common sense, with all of these attributes, believe that you are unloved? When this little bug is perfectly crafted for survival and to have a life that feels good to its being. I'm going to tell you something now <laughs> I would never have mentioned. The whole conversation, there has been a little bug flying around my desk here. And it's, it's, I, I don't have the best eyesight for and don't have a lot of attention to detail, but it has been flying around very clearly and it wouldn't go away. And I kept flicking it away and it kept coming back. I'm just saying, I can't believe you just said that. It's just, you know, it took me so long. I've been on this journey for <laughs> lifetimes, but in this lifetime, it took 20 years to begin again to open up to a divine relationship. And it's been another 20 years since I reopened up to get to this place where I'm able to recognize the perfection of the plan. So I'm always asking the angels to show me the simplest way so that I can share the simple. We don't need complex. We can make it complex all by ourselves. Yeah. We need we need simple. And that's what they are so beautifully adapted to. They always offer a simple, simple, simple explanation, a technique, a tool, something that you can use and get an instant result that will help you move forward and help you see where you're going with these thoughts if you don't change. So that, hey, you always have a choice. You can always choose 
to stay on that path and rendezvous with that disaster. But they'll show you what's coming. And then they'll show you the other choice and what you get from the other choice. But what they're going to require is that you let go of the disaster if you don't want to rendezvous with it. And you don't keep dipping a foot into that pool. And here comes Jesus again saying, if you are either be hot or cold, because if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. I used to think that was the most disgusting, horrifying thing that anybody could say. And, you know, I used to think, golly day, what's wrong with him? You know, so much for Christianity. This is a horrifying religion, a terrible way to believe and run your life. And how I realized all he was saying is, you are better off going headlong into disaster or headlong into success than trying to run back and forth between the two because you're definitely going to get the disaster. You'll never, or you'll get a moment of success, but mostly what you'll get is confusion. And so it's really better if you just want to screw your life up, just go ahead and do it. <laughs> go that way, get it done get it out of your system, then you'll be really excited about getting on the success track. But if you keep going back and forth, it'll go on forever. That was me, 20 years of failure. Oh, that's bad. Oh, success. Oh, I'm not good enough for that. Confusion. Back to failure. Oh, terrible. Terrible. Waste, terrible. waste of energy hard way to learn your lessons and gosh just a tough life yeah yeah okay so marcia you're about to go and do a burlesque performance in this beautiful loving audience you have your feathers at the ready and the compare is about to bring you out onto stage and they say please welcome to the stage what would your stage name be <gasps> oh what would my stage name be let's be love and kindness so that every feather that i give out will be imbued with love and kindness Aww. so that as i expose more and more of myself then i they are being uh, welcomed in to more and more love and kindness and that's really i you know i just sort of collect people and yep. I tell them in when we work together the beginning is the womb you need time in the womb where I am doing most of the work mm. by the end you will be leading and I will just be assisting but in the beginning you need time in the womb you have been hurt you have been through a terrible experience but it ends here in the womb this is the time to be reborn. Thank you so much. Marsha, where can people find you? Oh, visit my website. I'm so excited. We are adding a nonprofit arm. So that website hasn't been created yet, but everything is still at mmhearthealer.com. And there will be a link from there onto our nonprofit website. 
because a wonderful thing happened out of COVID, which is uh, it is very expensive and I'm delighted to offer one-on-one, -on -one, but you have to pay for my time. And that is quite comes with quite a big price tag. Mm -hmm. And so during COVID, I started offering group sessions, which were which are much more affordable. But then post-COVID, it became um, came to my awareness that a lot of people could not even afford to be part of a group because they had either lost their income or with prices rising the way they are, they are just able to keep their heads above water. So that now we are adding on a foundation so that you can come on a scholarship program and it won't cost you anything to get this counseling, but we see value in all people. Therefore, we're going to ask you to give something back. And so you will have the opportunity to write a review or share us and or share us on social media or perhaps you have a skill that the foundation could really benefit from, and we would be delighted to have you add your skill to our foundation. Or once you are feeling empowered, transformed, and free to live the life of your choice, you may become financially abundant, and then you have the option to pay back the cost of counseling. So you can do one or all three, or as many of them as you want to, but it will not cost you to get anything to get the help that you need as soon as we are funded. So I'm so excited. And it came about from a conversation because someone said to me, well, why don't you just attract people that can pay you? And it felt like somebody had taken an ice pick to my heart and I said, because I don't want to. <laughs> because I've been the person that couldn't afford help. And I was lucky enough to be able to receive the guidance in order to get myself out of this situation. But I don't want to make this service available only to people that can pay me. I wanna make it available to all. I love that. I will put all of your contacts into the show notes. So if you are watching this on YouTube, then you should know that you can also find this on audio form anywhere you get your podcast search confidence through Cabaret. And if you're listening to this on podcast, you can check this out on the vodcast playlist on YouTube, Confidence Through Cabaret channel. Please like and subscribe. Lovely. Get in touch with Marsha. Uh, Dr. Marsha Martin, I will have all of her contacts in the show notes. And if for any reason you ever can't find us, then you can contact uh, me, Heather Jean, and I will put you in touch with Marsha and and you'll be able to, to uh, find out more or work together or um, contribute any way that you can. Marsha, thank you so much for being my guest. It is such a pleasure. It Bye. has been such a wonderful experience and it's the perfect, you know, Mother God said to me years ago when we were first stepping into the Aquarian age, we are moving away from the competitive mind into the cooperative spirit. And it has been such a pleasure to be here with you and to collaborate and to be part of that cooperative energy. Yeah, I love that. That is that is the whole purpose with Confidence Through Cabaret is to collaborate, to help, 
you, the listener or participant, to find your voice and raise your confidence and find the people that you want to work with that will help you do that. Yes. So appreciate you being here. You will find Confidence Through Cabaret on all of the social media as Confidence Through Cabaret, uh, except for Twitter. We are at YBYWYS. And on Clubhouse, I am at Heather YBYWYS. And those six beautiful letters stand for It is Your Body, and It is Your World. And it is yours. Yeah, Take up space and own it. Thank you so much, Marsha Martin. Thank you all for being here. I will see you next time. Thank you. Thank you, Heather. You are magnificent. Thank you so much. Bye for now. 